all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Southern Remedy for Women, where we talk about issues of health and wellness and add a woman's perspective. Today, it's going to be a woman's perspective and a man's perspective. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Owens. I am a specialist in maternal fetal medicine and obstetrics and gynecology at UMMC. And I'm joined today by a friend and colleague, Dr. Randall Jordan who is and a professor at UMMC as well in the Department of Otolaryngology and Head and Neck Surgery. But Dr. Jordan is one of those really nifty guys that does some extra, extra fancy stuff. Um, and so rather than thinking about your nose and your ears and your throat, um, he actually does uh, facial plastic surgery and skin care. So for all of you folks who have been dealing with this pandemic and have not had an opportunity to get out, um, things are loosening up a little bit. You can take those masks off and people are finally going to start seeing our faces. So um, we thought that this would be a great time uh, to have Dr. Jordan come and talk to us. Now, Dr. Jordan works um, at UMMC. And he is also the person who is the go-to guy over at Faces, which is up in, in Ridgeland. And so, good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. It's a beautiful day outside. It is. It is a beautiful day. And look, we've had some crazy, like almost schizophrenic type weather over the course of the past three weeks. I think that, you know, spring is trying to figure it out. Um, and we are anxiously awaiting for um for the May flowers because we've I think I've had it with the April showers, um, I'm convinced now that Mississippi is now part of a tornado corridor or something because it's just been really crazy like every week for the past three weeks we've had this really severe weather um, as we are transitioning out of winter and into spring so I will be ready for spring to spring on in here. Um, but anyway, so great to have you today. And um, so I want you to uh, have an opportunity to introduce yourself to our listening audience. Tell them a little bit about what you did, because I said you're not like your typical ENT guy doing a little little something fancy, um, which is a great service, actually, to um, the people of Mississippi, especially who are in the, the greater Jackson area. Talk a little bit about what you're doing, where you're doing it and some of the neat stuff that's going on with you guys right now. Well, thank you, Michelle, and, and thank you again for having me on the show. I always enjoy coming and talking with you guys. It's always a lot of fun. Uh, I am a facial plastic surgeon. I did a fellowship in facial plastic surgery after I finished my residency in otolaryngology, and I've been practicing exclusively facial plastic surgery for 30-something years now. So, uh, And I've been at FACES for about five years now and at UMC for over 20. So uh, I enjoy what I do. I do a lot of reconstructive surgery at UMC and a lot of cosmetic surgery and treatments at FACES. Ooh, so cosmetic surgery. So, I mean, so what exactly does that mean? Because I think, I mean, so facelifts and is it all things face, everything? Right. Yes, exactly. And it's a lot of, you know, the usual, the most common treatments, of course, are the injections with Botox and fillers and such as that anyway. So so you guys offer like the full range of um 
facioplastic surgery, and also there's a skincare component as well? Right. We have three estheticians who do uh, facials and mild chemical peels and other skincare treatments as well. The, Di- the Diamond Glow, you may have heard of that. It's a very crowd favorite and uh, a variety of different things along that lines. And then myself and uh, our nurse practitioner and then another physician that works with me, Dr. Stephen Curdy, we all do uh, the injectables such as Botox and dermal fillers such as Juvederm and Restylane. So tell me this. How, so you t- said that it's really popular people getting the injections. Have you noticed, like, do the injections keep people from getting like more extensive surgery like for example have the facelift numbers gone down as injections and those kinds of things have gone up or if you are a person who's how do you know if you just need injections versus if you actually need a facelift how do you know that right that's a good question so you know one thing i'd say is the pandemic has had sort of an interesting effect on all of this uh you would not have expected i certainly didn't expect it but nationwide the treatments for facial aging and et cetera have really gone up a lot uh, during the pandemic. Uh, And some of that, I think, is because people weren't doing other things. They had extra income to spend uh, and also because they were away from work. So they had more time to recover from surgery and things along that lines as well. Anyway, so no, I thought it was Zoom because people were seeing their faces on Zoom and after you then all of a sudden you're like oh wait a minute you know <laughs> i'm sure that's part of, of it sudden, too <laughs> all of a sudden those lines around your eyes matter because nobody's seeing anything above the bri- below the bridge of your nose it's like oh my gosh i really need to make sure that my eyes are the because that was really the only thing that people were typically seeing were your eyes and your forehead so now all of a sudden like the waves across your forehead or your number 11 that you might have in the middle becomes more of an issue See there, I just I just like totally missed that one because no. I just made it all about Zoom. Well, you know exactly. <laughs> well, being on radio, of course, we're somewhat excluded from that, from that pet problem. But you know, but you you be lovely on Zoom anyway. Look, see, you're you're really too kind. I told Jay, I was like, that's the reason I've been doing this thing so long because I, I like the camera adds ten to fifteen pounds, but the microphone doesn't. So yeah, that's there you right. Go. That's exactly, that's <laughs> that's exactly right. Here. Guys, well, so, you know the number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven. Four six four, um, and we are here with um, with uh, Dr. Randall Jordan, who's talking to us about uh, facial plastic surgery and skin care, and um, and all of the wonderful things that he does at Faces. So go ahead. Yeah, there's been a pretty good increase both in surgery and injectables during the pandemic. So really, I'd say the numbers have gone up actually, as far as both face lifting and the injectable treatments. But your question was about how do you know if you need you know if you need a facelift versus if you need fillers or something along that lines anyway. And so they do they do different things. So injectables such as Botox and Dysport, which are so-called neuromodulators, are for weakening muscles. So if you have wrinkles like the eleven lines you speak about, is a great example of that that are due to facial expressions, and those can be helped and improved by by weakening that muscle reaction by using uh, Botox or Dysport or one of the other uh, neuromodulators. If you have, you know, facelifting, you think about it, it's really sort of anti-gravity surgery. You're lifting things back up and putting them back where they came from because as we age, the effect of gravity and the effect of loss of some elasticity of our skin causes our faces to sag. You develop jowls, you develop loose skin in your neck. Those things really are not going to be treated by injections uh, typically, you're going to need something to do to lift and tighten the skin and, um, you know, reverse the effects of aging. So so tell me this. It, so our face, it, does a facelift address the, the issue of wrinkles? 
You know, it's funny because the medical term for a facelift is rhididectomy, which means to remove wrinkles, but really facelifting is really different from that, actually. It's really more about lifting skin back up and putting it back where it was before, <clears throat> excuse me, before gravity had its effect. And uh, so while you do get some reduction in wrinkles, it's actually really more about sagging tissue. Interesting. So I guess if so, you do get wrinkle reduction just because if, say, for example, if the sagging tissue is what's creating that, then you could get some relief there. But for the most part, right. It's kind of putting putting things back in their Correct. normal position. <laughs> so, yes, a lot of people still, even after a facelift, you know, you'll have some wrinkles around your lips and around the central part of your face that are not going to be affected by the, by the facelift at all, actually. And so you may have to think about something else to treat those areas. If that's your major concern, then the facelift is not what you need. You know, it's just something different from that. So it's really interesting. Um, and I'm, I do know that men are also um, consumers of this these um, therapies, um, but I think it's pretty well known that women are the larger consumers compared with our male counterparts, but that there are men who do take advantage of this in some instances. Um, so I've always been surprised, and I'm like, either this stuff works really, really well, or like I've had people where I've said, you don't really have any wrinkles, so why are you doing this? Um, and they would say, well, that's the whole point. I'm doing it now so that I don't get wrinkles. So can you tell me a little bit about how that works? Is that really a thing? It is. I mean, if you develop wrinkles, like when you smile or when you frown, et cetera, those are wrinkles that are due to muscle activity. And those that if you weaken that muscle expression, and you don't want to make it go away completely, but if you weaken it to a degree, then you will not develop those wrinkles to that same degree. Well, I have friends who are like, oh, you should try it. I'm like, mm, I don't know about paralyzing my face. I don't know. I, plus, I am an overly expressive person. Like, see there, I do that, and then yep. I get all the, Yeah. Um, and, and the big smiler, so I kind of feel like I'm worried about the Jack Nicholson thing. That I, Well, I guess it's the Joker thing. Yeah. That you get yeah. right here. Well, you don't uh, need anything. You're beautiful. Because <laughs> I'm a big smiler. But, um, yeah, it, but there are a, a lot of people are really concerned about, you know, trying to stave off, as you mentioned, this issue of um, – of the effects of aging. So you talked about decreased elasticity in our skin. Um, what other things kind of happen as we age that kind of predispose us besides gravity, the thing that keeps us on the ground? Um, what other things kind of are part of the normal aging process that you find that you have the ability to remedy with some of these therapies? Well, I think you know, for most people, it's somewhat it's hereditary. Of course, you know, you're gonna look what you look like what your parents look like for sure. But also, I mean, cigarette smoke, tobacco smoke ages your skin tremendously. It's really bad for that as many as well as many other things. So it's another good reason to not smoke. Uh, sun exposure; those are the two things that you can really modify. Is you know, sun exposure and, and tobacco uh, intake. And, and there's no question that that both those things do a huge amount of damage to your skin. Uh, and so avoiding excess sun, and everybody likes to get out in the sun, but, you know, we're, at this, time, this date and time, everyone should know that sun exposure is bad for your skin. And not only does it age your skin, but it causes skin cancer too as well. So using a good sunscreen is extremely important in this area for sure because, you know, we're in the south and the sun is fairly intense in this area. And even if you're going to be out for an hour, you know, you're going to get enough UV damage to, to, to create problems for you over time. And I think that's a really good point. You said over time. So this is not something, because a lot of times people think you have to be in a certain age group in order to start some of these things, like the Botox and all those other things. But but truthfully, 
Um, prevention from the effects of aging, specifically in, in the areas that you mentioned, are things that start much earlier than even, say, your numeric age would suggest, right? This isn't like a middle age kind of thing, like the, the protection from sun and the utilization of sunscreen. Like, if you think about it, we do this with kids, right? right. When the little kids are getting are, are out and they're on the beach or at the pool or whatever, like, everybody is so meticulous about making sure that the kids, wait, wait, come back, put on sunscreen. Um, and But somehow we will forget to do those things, you know, for ourselves um, until either it gets much later or we start to see the effects, and then all of a sudden we want to start trying to do the prophylaxis once the problem's already gotten started. Yeah, well, it never it never hurts to put sunscreen on at any age and any degree of you know previous sun damage is always still going to help you for sure. But once you've got you know severe sun damage and deep wrinkles and so on, then you're going to need something more than sunscreen to treat those if you are bothered by them. And some people are not bothered by that at all. Some people are very happy to have their wrinkles. They view it as a, a badge, you know, and something that you've earned, which is nothing wrong with that. That's completely fine, you know. But if you're bothered by it, then there are treatments that you can do for sure that will help with that. But start off by wearing your sunscreen and not by going out and baking for hours in the sun, even though everybody looks good with a tan, you know, it really is damaging your sun, yeah, your skin you know, over time. It's funny, I think about that, like how um, there used to be those big reflect, those aluminum reflector kind of things, and people would lay out and have those big aluminum reflectors, which would basically take whatever's, whatever of the sun's rays that weren't directly coming and the kind of an attempt to refocus them on right. their faces. Right. Um, and then also the tanning beds. Um, and the tanning bed use, especially for those people who are young, so for adolescents and younger folks, prolonged exposure to tanning beds and those kinds of things can be really uh, damaging to our skin and also increase our risk for skin cancers. Oh, yeah. No question about it. There's a whole a lot of research that shows that that's, that's certainly true and in, in, in increased you know, risk of melanoma formation, et cetera, when you do tanning beds at an early age. So it's there in a lot of states are regulating tanning beds more and more aggressively over time. But just I think we all have to use common sense. You know, I mean, you, you know, don't don't get sunburned and don't, you know, try to tan yourself all the time. I mean, you, even with the sunscreen, you're still going to get tan. You know, for most people, we'll still tan somewhat with that. So. So is this kind of a, a, a busy season? Tell me what's going on over at Faces. I think that place is amazing. I've been over there because, um, you know, you've done a couple yep. of little things, little cosmetic things on me. Um, haven't really gotten to the injections and the fillers yet and hadn't gotten to the facelift. But, um, <laughs> but I don't know. I'm thinking about this. You don't thing. need anything. What are well, you talking you, about? See, you're so, like, see, I lo- see, this is why I love you, Randy. Can we just, like, play that back in? <laughs> can we just play that over and over again? Um, I can use you for my daily affirmations. But, um, but seriously, um, so what's going on over at Faces? What are you, what, what's happening with you guys now? This should be this should be your prime time. Well, thanks. Yeah, actually, it is. We And we always have a spring and a fall event where we offer discounts on a lot of our products and our services, et cetera. And so, you know, this time you can go to our website at Faces PLC, and there's a way to order gift cards at a 20% discount. Uh, for t- the rest of today, actually, and uh, and then you can also call uh, to our phones at six zero one six zero seven three zero three three, and uh, place an order for a discounted gift card or products at that time. Awesome! So, guys, if you are interested, if you or someone you know is interested, 
um, I would strongly encourage you to just like ask them or do something nice so that you don't send send this uh, the idea that they actually are needing it. Just say, hey, something that you might want to try. Um, but definitely check out our friends over at Faces. They are doing wonderful things to help you put your best face forward. You hear that music? That means it's time for us to take our first break of the hour. And he talked about their phone lines being open for you to call. Our phone lines are open for you to call. That number's one eight seven seven mpb ring We'll be waiting to talk to you coming up next on Southern Remedy for Women. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for listening. We're here at Southern Remedy for Women, and today we are joined by Dr. Randall Jordan, who's at UMMC in the Department of Otolaryngology and Head and Neck Surgery, and he's also at FACES. And we are talking about FACES, putting your best face forward into this beautiful day and into the rest of this year. Um, And we had talked a little bit earlier about some of the um, special uh, techniques and therapies that are available for people who might be struggling with fine lines or deeper lines, some effects of sun damage, um, and how you might just want to fight father time. If you want to wrestle him down to the ground and, you know, create your own seemingly fountain of youth. Um, then how you might partner with Dr. Jordan and his team in order to help make that happen. <laughs> Our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 Again, he is um, working both at FACES and at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, providing an incredible service to the people of Mississippi. And so, um, Dr. Jordan, I'm going to jump right in. We were talking about, um, about some of the... Uh, different things that you can do, whether it's filler or, or Botox and those kinds of, um, those kinds of therapies. If, if I were a person considering a facelift, but I kind of didn't want to take the plunge, um, what other alternatives are there like less invasive or alternatives that might be available, um, as opposed to, uh, the surgical intervention or a full surgical intervention through a facelift? Right. So I think uh, first I'll talk about dermal fillers, which can help in that situation. Dermal fillers replace lost volume, which is also part of aging, other than just sagging skin and loss of elasticity. So if your cheeks aren't looking as full as they were when you were younger, uh, then that's something that uh, volume replacement with a dermal filler, such as Restylane or Juvederm or one of the RHA fillers, can help with that. These um, injectables last about a year to a year and a half in most locations and most people, um, and they are done very commonly. They don't take very long. There can be bruising and swelling associated with that, of course, and there's other risks as well. But it's a, it's a relatively you know uh, simple sort of thing to do compared to surgery anyway. Um, if you don't, if you need more skin tightening uh, as opposed to just volume replacement, then there are multiple different skin tightening devices on the market currently. 
I'll have to say that none of them work anywhere near as well as surgery does. Surgery is much more predictable in its ability to tighten skin, lift skin, and replace it to where it came from. But you can use certain types of skin tightening devices. And the current, uh, I guess, iteration of skin tightening devices is the microneedling radiofrequency devices, of which there's at least a half a dozen on the market. We have one called the Pixel 8, and the way it works is that it has tiny needles that go into the deep dermis, and then an electrical current goes through the needles to heat the skin beneath the dermis, actually, without causing any kind of injury to the dermis itself. And by by creating that, it will cause tightening of the skin over time. (coughs) It is a series of treatments, at least least three treatments once a month or so, Uh, and the results are, you know, fairly good, but they certainly know where... Do they certainly do not rival facelifting, et cetera, from that standpoint. All right, y'all know how I feel about needles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even if they're really little. Um, so, so what exactly if so? What is the recovery time? Um, you said these are multiple procedures. How does that work? Yeah. So the <coughs> what, what we do for the skin tightening advice, we use a topical numbing cream on the skin first, so it doesn't really hurt at all. And your skin will be red for the next 24 hours or so, but you can go back to work the next day quite readily. The, uh, of course, a facelift is a lot more extensive in bruising and swelling. It's certainly there for at least 10, 10 to 15 days for most people. But most people can go back to work in about 10 to 12 days, typically with makeup, et cetera. So um, tell us a little bit about some of the other, um, say, if you wanted to do the a la carte, right? So you, d- you don't want to dive in completely to the whole facelift concept. But say, for example, you've identified your eyes as being the biggest problem. So whether it's the the sagging of your lids, whether it's saggy lids, or if it is puffiness, um, or, you know, problems with the under eye area, yeah. what options are there? Yeah, under eyes are tough, but I tell you that but Botox and filler are still a reasonable place to start with, with that. It just depends on how bad the problem is exactly. So lesser problems can be treated with injectables, um, more aggressive, more more severe problems, I should say, would be would need probably surgery typically to treat that. And so, what kinds of surgery um, are what kind of the surgical options exist? So, blepharoplasty, which is you know eyelid surgery, uh, the upper eyelid. Usually, it's excess skin. But you also have to think about where the brow position is. So, many people will also need a brow lift in that situation. It just depends on your on your anatomy and on your um, hereditary aging characteristics, I shall say. And the lower eyelid, there's so many different combinations of things. Usually, it's some fat. The bagging is usually fat herniation, and that can be camouflaged with fillers, typically in some people, uh, or removed with surgery. Oh wow. So, um, so that's that whole concept of like where your brow is, that like looking like you're wide eyed or whatever, like you're wide awake, right? Concept, and that is what Botox can help with too, though. Botox and other neuromuscular, neuromuscular uh, modulators can help elevate the brow, can raise the brow temporarily, uh, and give you a wider eyed look uh, than you would otherwise have. Well, it sounds kind of fascinating that you know, just like with many other surgical um, specialties, that at least in in this arena, there are plenty of different options for less invasive or non-surgical management for some of these issues as opposed to just having to go directly for surgery. Like, there are not a lot of non-surgical options for your appendicitis. Like, it just needs to come out. You just have the surgery. Um, But at least there, it seems like if there are people who who are either reluctant to have surgery and, and still would like to try to see um, a better result that they do have options. And these, again, are all offered at um, at the location at FACES. And that number, again? 601-607-3033.
Fantastic. Um, so we you we talked a little bit about um, the sun exposure and and the uniqueness of being, say, for example, in the southeast um, with the the heat and the temperatures and sun exposure and those kinds of things. We also have a lot of um, people who like to do things outside. So once the weather gets better, and it actually is pretty decent here for most months out of the year, um, what do people need to do outside of sunscreen that will kind of help to protect them from, um, say, for example, if they're out at the beach or or the lake, or if they're doing things outside, is there anything else, or is sunscreen really the only, that's the the holy grail? Well, I think one thing to think about is if you're already using a skincare regimen that contains a retinol or retinoic acid, those things actually make your skin a little bit more sensitive to the sun, so you might want to think about discontinuing that or backing down on retin-A and retinol during the summertime in addition to using a sunscreen. Obviously, the things everyone talks about is, you know, don't go out in the middle of the daytime. Don't go lay out in the sun, you know, from 10 o'clock to 2 o'clock. You know, go in the morning, go in the afternoon when the, when the sun's rays are not as intense. Um, what about so you've said that now now all of a sudden you piqued my interest and for a hyaluronic acid is that is there any issue with um, that in sun or is it specifically with retinol and retinoic acid? Yeah, the hyaluronic acids don't are not affected uh, by sunlight exposure and uh, you know there are many products that contain hyaluronic acids and, and a variety of other glycolic acids and things like that. Those are typically fairly safe, but the uh, yeah, but anything with the retinol or retin A and it's going to make your skin more sensitive to sunlight. So see there any now I want you to know that you are. You were very instrumental in my skincare regimen from this show, which is why it's great. We like I, we take home our little tidbits and, and make adjustments in our lives from the things that we learn from our guests. But it was um, a show that we had done. We were actually in the in the old studio in the old auditorium when this when, when we were talking about the importance of skincare regimen. At that time, mine basically consisted of washing my face and wearing sunscreen. Um, and so you you mentioned the importance of hyaluronic acid, um, vitamin C serums, you know, and all of these things. And I think at the time you had an esthetician with you. And we were talking about how you could kind of help to um, keep your skin, you know, radiant and glowing and kind of uh, to fight some of the effects of aging and to kind of keep your skin in its best shape. And so I just want you to know, I took a lesson and I've had so many people say positive things about my skin. And I, I promise you, people weren't talking about my face until I started my little skincare regimen. Um, and and so I know if. Allie Brown, if you're listening to this, I know you're probably laughing. But um, and I've shared that with other people about serums and the importance of just being able to kind of apply them. And I'm not a person that goes bonkers with it. Like it's usually once a day, usually in the evening um, that I do that with a moisturizer. But I really believe it's made a difference. I do. I'm sure it will. There's no doubt about it. I mean, skincare is very important. It's it's the, if the foundation of all these things. If you're trying to look, make your skin look better and look better yourself, you know, and you're thinking about and getting surgery or something, you certainly should think about skincare before you think about that because it is the fundamental. You know, it's the foundation of all well, this. I so. just want to thank you for that because that just really. I mean, it was something that's made a big difference to me, and I have been able to share that with other people, and they too have have been very pleasantly surprised um, and have incorporated it into their into their overall skincare and healthcare regimen. So thank you. Thank you for that. It's time for us to take our next break of the hour. We are talking with Dr. Randall Jordan about all things face. So our phone lines remain open. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring and We'll be right back after this.
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. listening to Southern Remedy for Women, and we are talking today with Dr. Randall Jordan from FACES and from the Department of Otolaryngology at UMMC, oh, Otolaryngology and Head and Neck Surgery at UMMC. Um, he specializes in facioplastics and um, skin care. And so we have been talking about things that one can do to their face to help counteract um, environmental exposures, i.e. sun damage, and also um, the effects of aging slash gravity. Um, I think it's interesting, though. You talk about sagging skin and those kinds of things. And I, one of the other things that can do that are significant changes in weight, right? So um, women are large consumers also um, of uh, bariatric procedures and weight loss procedures. And so as a part of that... Um, a lot of people will also experience significant changes in their faces. Um, and as a matter of fact, I, I have a, a friend who I was, I've talked to about weight loss surgery. And one of the things that, that they said was, well, I mean, I would really love to do it, but everybody who gets that surgery looks old. And I thought about it, and I said, well, they don't actually look older. I said, but, but there is a change in your face because when you lose that, if you lose a lot of, of fat, then you, will, you can have that. I mean, the skin is still there, and so you do have to deal with the skin. Um, and so that's also, I guess, another um, area where people may choose to have a procedure so that they can like embrace their new face, right? Like, so when you have a huge weight loss, of, it doesn't even have to be surgically related. If you have weight loss or those kinds of things, then that can also leave you with excess skin, sagging skin, and that can contribute to wrinkles or, you know, grooves in your skin as well. Is that, oh, am yeah. I off on that? No, you're right. That's about 20% of the people I see actually who've lost a lot of weight and lost a lot of body weight and then come in and they're concerned because they have some sagging skin in their face and neck anyway. It's very, yeah. very common. And so it's kind of interesting because like that it's not just below your neck. Like it's, it's all over. It happens all over. And that can be something that uh, can in, in many instances be a, a source of dissatisfaction for people who have otherwise experienced a very positive result through um, getting to a healthier weight or to a, a more optimal weight for them. So um, we are going to go to the phone lines and we are going to hear from Marsha, who's calling us from Hattiesburg. Good morning, Marsha. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Actually, you just pitched my question because I wanted to know about um, about crazy skin, not just on the face or the neck, but, you know, it's happening under the arms or any number of places on my body. I did lose weight, and it would be interesting to me to know if there's a, if there's a dietary collagen thing, that if I started a strong uh, regime of that, is that really helpful? Uh, are there better products out there? Do you see that direction? You know, is that the direction that skincare is going to sort of take care of things from the inside out? Um, so I'm going to hang up and let you chat about that. Well, that's a great question, and you know, the, and there's no doubt that dietary 
um, you know, and that having a good, healthy diet plays a big role in your overall health and aging as well, too. I don't know of any supplements that really have ever been shown to tighten skin uh, along that line, so I really can't endorse anything like that. Uh, body Loose body skin is not something I deal with, of course, because I'm a facial plastic surgeon, but it's, I can tell you a little bit about it. It's difficult. It's actually harder to treat than it is on the face, and so many people end up having surgery to remove excess skin on the back of their arms and other places like abdominal plastics, and that's called a brachioplasty on the arm. But, uh, yeah, that's, it's not as easy to treat, and all those things have their pros and cons and, you know, scars, et cetera, to deal with and that sort of thing. Well, so that she raised a good question now because when I when Marcia said that I thought, ooh, collagen supplements because I've heard people talk about collagen supplements and so there's and there's all kinds like you can get powder there's the liquid form and I've heard people say of course they're always endorsing something but like oh well this version is better and or it's more readily absorbed and this that, and the other and I just kind of had that moment where I was like so can we absorb collagen through our gastrointestinal tract and somehow it make its way to our skin is that even a thing you know I honestly don't know very much about that I'm not sure that that really is a thing and I don't know of any scientific evidence that actually shows that it's helped as far as facial aging or wrinkles. I know there's a huge amount of, you know, products out there that tout that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I, I think having a healthy diet, not eating too much, not eating too little, um, taking vitamin supplements if you need it, especially vitamin D are all good for us. But uh, I, I don't think that I can endorse that as being something that really is effective. Yeah, you know, I, I think that collagen thing is a is a, a real issue. And, you know, um, the other thing that women oftentimes will have to deal with is the change in just the, the overall texture of their skin, not necessarily the rubberiness per se, but sometimes, um, especially if it's like related to skin, I mean, sun exposure. But um, what about the thinning? Like as we age, our skin tends to, or at least it seems that our skin thins. I know that there are like some effects, at least for women, with decrease in estrogen and how that also impacts um, our skin and our mucosal surfaces. Um, is this kind of just a is is thinning like a necessary evil of the aging process? Is it one of the one of the many rewards that we get for longevity? Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, you know, it's just one of those things that happens to most of us. There's certainly some things that influence it, like sun damage, et cetera. We talked about that already. Hereditary genetics play a big role in that. Uh, medications, you know, it's, everyone knows that, that if you're on a chronic steroid and things like that, cause your skin to become much more thin over time, too, as well. We don't really understand the mechanisms of most of those things as well. We know your skin loses a lot of elastin. Uh, over time, as well as collagen, as well as water, as well as fat. I mean, all those things change with aging. So there's a lot of things that go on there. A lot of it, so much of it is hereditary. It really is. Interesting. So kind of check the family photo, and it'll kind of give you at least some kind of premonition about what is to come. Um, we're going to stay on the phone lines and hear from Billy Joe, who's calling us from Meridian. Good morning, Billy Joe. Good morning. How are you? Doing lovely. How are you? I'm great. I am 75 years old today, actually, and Happy when I birthday. get up, well, thank you, dear, thank you. When I get up in the morning, my eyes burn and water. I can soak a paper towel just dabbing at my eyes. Is that just an age thing, or why do they do that? I get enough sleep. I sleep 10 hours a day. 
Well, there's probably a lot of reasons that can happen to you. Uh, one thing is if, you're, if your eyes are open during sleep and they may be drying out some, that can cause a lot of irritation. It seems like that would be contrary to what you're saying, but actually if they're irritated, you're going to produce more tears, which will cause a lot more watering like that. Uh, sometimes you could use actually, and this again is going to sound contrary, but you may want to use some artificial tears before you go to bed at nighttime. You may also want to consider propping your head up a little bit like an extra pillow. Sometimes that can help with that situation too. And then, of course, see an ophthalmologist uh, if it's not really getting better over time. Okay. Thank, thank you very much. Sure. Thanks for your call, Billy Joe. Have a great weekend. So um, you you guys are having uh, your spring event at FACES right now? Yes. Is that correct? And so so you have a spring event. What other, um, what other events or um, promotions, other things that do you have at FACES throughout the course of the year? Is this kind of like a once-a-year thing? Is it an annual thing? I get the spring thing might be once a year. But are there other um, things that you do? Do you guys typically do something once a quarter, or is it just kind of random? It's a spring and fall event. We okay. have one uh, in October, traditionally, and one in April. Uh, and they're usually about the third week or so in each of those months. Um, and that's when we have our sales of our products and gift cards. Do you guys, is there like an educational component? Like, is there an opportunity for people who may want to know more? Like, what what exactly do you do if you're just a person who wants to know about it? Do you just have to turn to Dr. Google to figure it out? Or is there some, um, like, awareness or educational um, opportunity that exists within FACES? How does that work? Or call for information slash consultation? Sure, exactly. So I'll tell you, our website has a huge amount of information on it. We really have taken the approach that we want our website to be you know, educational more so than just an advertisement, really. So if you if you have procedures you're interested in or just things in general, you can go to our website. That's FACES PLLC. And uh, you'll find, I think, a huge amount of information on there. I've, I, we've got blogs on different topics, et cetera. A lot of information there is very good. There's also, you know, a number of really good uh, websites and agencies that are very trustworthy that you can go to. The American Academy of Facial Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery, AAFPRS, is a very good resource. The American Society of Plastic Surgery, ASPS, is also a very good resource. The Aesthetic Society is another one. All these organizations have websites that are really very educational. But I think you're going to find a lot of information that you may be looking for on our website at FACES, actually. I think that's awesome. Um, it's great that, you know, it's a business, but to be able to offer information for people um, so that they have an opportunity to even figure out what questions they really have um, or to get information before they consider a service or a procedure, I think is really is, is fantastic. And I think it's also important for everybody to hear this just because it's on the Internet doesn't mean it's true. So like Dr. Jordan said, it needs to be from, you know, reputable, reliable sources. Um, so if it's just a group of amen corner people on Facebook, I would say that that may not be the most reliable, even though it might make you feel good to have a lot of people who agree with you. Um, it may not be scientifically sound, accurate, or supported by science. And so we just want to make sure that as you all are navigating the Internet, which can be a very dangerous place for people seeking scientific information, if you are navigating the Internet, um, it is really important that you, if you are not a scientific person, have a chaperone trust but verify because there's not really a great way to be able to determine what information is good and sound versus that which is just randomly created and misinformation and might really either put you in danger or jeopardy or lead you to make decisions that really aren't in your best interest um, for your overall health. 
So that being said, we're going to give you a little time to digest that and take our last break of the hour, I believe. Um, We are here with Dr. Randall Jordan, and we are talking about facial plastic surgery and healthy skin. So we'll be right back after this break. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Thanks for hanging in there with us. This is Southern Remedy for Women, and today we have been talking with Dr. Randall Jordan, who is breaking down all of the information you need to know about facial plastic surgery and skin care specifically we've been focusing on that part of your body that is above your neckline um, and that is what he does in his role as professor of otolaryngology and head and neck surgery at UMMC and also in his role at FACES. Um, FACES as we have mentioned a couple of times in the middle of their spring event so if you are interested in getting some great deals or if you wanted to kind of um, figure out what they're about. We really encourage you to take a look at their website, which is Faces PLLC. Yes. Um, or to give them a call at 601-607-3033. Yes, ma'am. Not bad. Um, and our phone lines are still open, so you can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring If you'd like to talk to um, – I don't know that you're going to get Dr. Jordan if you call Faces. You might not get to talk to him, but if you call today – right here on MPB, you will have an opportunity to speak to the um, the master himself, Dr. Randall Jordan. And speaking of, <clears throat> we have, um, we can go to the phone lines, I think, right now and hear from Shauna, who's calling from the road. Good morning, Shauna. Hello. Um, I happened to catch your show just um, a little bit too late, but I did have a question I'm not ready for a facelift or any kind of surgery like that, but what would uh, be the recommended service at um, to help prevent wrinkles, like whether it's the microdermal um, pen or whether it's the laser treatments, hydrofacials, which one is just highly effective going forward? Well, I think... Um you know, as far as preventing wrinkles, we talked a little bit about avoiding sun damage. We talked a little bit about not yeah. smoking. Those two things are very important. Yeah. But also, as far as as far as treatments go for wrinkles, I, I you know I think that any of those treatments can be helpful. And a but to start off, like I said before, a good skincare regimen really is the basic foundation mm-hmm. of all of that sort of thing. Being on a retinoic acid or retinol is a really good help mm-hmm. with that. Your skin will look so much better if you do that. After that, so things like Diamond Glow and Hydrofacial, those things are not going to really help with the wrinkles. A whole lot. They help your skin look better and glow and be more smooth. Your makeup goes on better, etc. But it doesn't really reduce wrinkles that much. Chemical peels right. can reduce wrinkles. Deep chemical peels can help with deep wrinkles and so on. Uh, those are probably the more effective treatments for wrinkles, uh, actually, than any of those other ones. Okay. okay. 
Okay, well, that's, um, I was hoping I hadn't missed that, and I just thank you for taking my call. Well, Shauna, real quickly before you go, um, have you um, have you tried any of the um, injections like Botox or those kinds of things? Because Dr. Jordan also told me today that, um, that those can also prevent um, wrinkles as well. I, I have tried Botox in the past year or so, and I think the lady that gave me the injections might have gone a little too heavy and I did not like the um, what it looked like afterwards. Yeah, you have to be careful with that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And that's, that's why I always see people back after their first injection in about two weeks to look at it with them and make sure it's doing what you want it to do. But uh, they can, and she's right. I mean, if, as far as wrinkles that are due to facial expressions, you know, frowning, et cetera, those right. can be helped and prevented with Botox. Uh, in general, you know, wrinkles overall and skincare, skin Texture overall, I can say I said skin care, skin care regimen is really effective and helpful for that, particularly something with the retinoic acid. Okay, okay. Well, that's what I already do, so maybe I'm uh, on a good course. You're on the right course, I tell you. <laughs> Thanks, Shauna. We're going to uh, stay on the phone lines and hear from John, who's calling us from Corinth. Good morning, John. Hi, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? What's your question? Oh, fine, thank you. Uh, I have a good friend that's a dietitian, and also she's an RN. And I often heard her talk about the importance of vitamin C. And she used as an example uh, that she had some friends in Florida that work at like an orange juice or citrus plant. And mm-hmm. she she said undoubtedly the vitamin C, you know, what just floating in the air, whatever. But they have gorgeous skin, and she's. She said that there were benefits to, you know, uh, skin health, use it, having taken, make sure you have vitamin C. I'm just wondering if that's true. Well, I think it is. I mean, vitamin C is an important one of the most important vitamins that we have. Most of us do get a fair amount of vitamin C in our diet if we're eating a normal diet. But it's important for collagen synthesis, and yes, I mean, and then as you know, scurvy is the disease that's caused by a lack of vitamin C, and the sailors used to get that on long voyages and had breakdown of their wounds, breakdown of their skin, loss of teeth. So, yeah, vitamin C is extremely important for skin health. John, thank you so yeah. much for your call. I tell you, I slather that stuff all over my face once a day. Um, we're going to stay on the phone lines. We're down to the last couple of minutes of the broadcast, and we're going to hear from Kay, who's calling us from Madison. Good morning, Kay. Hey, how y'all? Quick question. Um, in weight loss, because I have lost some, I wasn't really overweight, but just lost some. Haven't really seen a lot of weight loss in my face, neck, you know, that beginning in your late 30s. Are there any specific um, exercises that one can do with your face? I hear about it all the time, but I'm afraid that since I tend to be more muscular, that it'll just make me look bigger instead of smaller. That's a good question. Facial exercises are something that have been touted by a lot of different groups uh, over the years as far as helping your facial aging. Again, I don't know of any evidence that actually that that actually works. Uh, I think if anything you think about it, it may actually cause more wrinkles because we know that certain wrinkles are caused by facial movement and all. So I I don't I can't advocate that facial exercises are really going to help weight loss, etc. I mean, I think, you know, overall, overall dieting, overall exercise, uh, you know, you have to burn more calories than you take in, obviously, to lose weight. And uh, that's going to change your, the way you're, the shape of your face and also as well. But some people have deposits of fat that can be very difficult to get rid of, like under your chin in that area. And then in that situation, there's different treatments like liposuction, et cetera, that can help with that. 
Awesome. So um, thanks so much, Kay, for your call. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Um, so that's interesting, I, the concept of, you know, facial exercises, because, you know, it's the utilization of those facial muscles that can also, it's like a double-edged sword, right? Like you want good muscles, but then you can turn around and they end up giving you wrinkles. That's the reward you get. Um, Randy, so Jay's playing the music. That means it's time for us to go. This time has really flown by. Thank you so much for being a guest with us. Guys, if you have an opportunity, the spring event at Faces is still going on. You can check them out at their website for information, or you can call directly, and that number is 601-607-3033. Randy, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you, really Michelle, for having me you. on the show. It's always great, always fun to talk to you. Today's Southern Remedy was produced and engineered by Jay White. Our call screener was Java Chapman. Um, for Dr. Allie Brown, who is not with us today, Miss You Girl, and um, myself. We'd like to thank you so much for being with us. Um, join us next Friday at 11 o'clock for Southern Remedy for Women. MPB's Here Now is next on MPB Think Radio. You guys be safe and be kind. Have a great weekend. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 